Welcome to One Cause Church. Here is another inspirational message from Senior Pastor Eric Holler. So a couple of weeks ago started um, just a little two-part series, and then last week I missed you guys. Uh, Pastor Alex was here bringing the word Sunday. Apparently he didn't ruin everything. You came back, so I do appreciate that. Uh, actually, I think Alex is snow skiing right now, isn't he? Something, I don't know backsliding somewhere. I, um, Alex is our youth pastor. He's a great, great, great man. And I, the, the truth is, I, it's an honor to be able to lean on him to, to stand here and preach in, in our pulpit here. Because, you know, not just anybody does. We, we protect this place here. Um, and uh, so I, I fully trust Alex because I taught him what he knows. So... <laughs> <laughs> the great demands of salvation is what we started talking about. The great demands of salvation. So I want to just give a little recap of what we talked about two weeks ago. Last week I was actually uh, ministering in a, in a Spanish church in Mesquite, Texas. Had an interpreter and everything. And man, did we ever have church. I forgot what it was like to have a two and a half hour long service. It's been, it's been a long time. But it was high energy from start to finish. And yeah, it was great. So uh I don't know what the Lord has in store for us in a partnership, but I think there's some, uh, I made a divine connection there. So uh, down the road, we'll see what unfolds. But Ephesians chapter two, verses four through 10, I want to read this and then we'll talk about a little recap of what we talked about in the beginning and then get into some new things. But God, who is rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Thank you, Lord. Even when we were dead in trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved and raised us up together and made us sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. For by grace, you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Thank you, Father, for this time together. Thank you for your presence here. Thank you for the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of Christ to be upon all of us here today. The eyes of our understanding being enlightened, God, that we may begin to comprehend, if it's even possible, what is the depth, the width, the length, the height, and the breadth of your amazing love. If, if we don't get anything else from this experience here today together, may we all be increased in the capacity of your love. Your love for us and our love for one another. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. So uh, last week or two weeks ago, we talked about from that first verse, uh, verse two, it says that because of his great love, who is he's rich in mercy. Love demands unreasonable mercy. Come on, parents, you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> love demands unreasonable mercy. And as I told you, I went over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, what is known as the love chapter, and you hear it and read in several, you know, bits of it in different in weddings and things like that. But 
In verse 7, it says that love bears all things. Love believes all things. Love hopes all things. Love endures all things. And, and I, following that, I always want to go, wow, love sure is gullible. Love gets walked on all the time. If that's how it's going to be, it's going to be taken advantage of. huh? It's going to be manipulated. It's, but love, just, it just keeps being love. It bears all things, believes all things. It hopes all things, endures all things. And ultimately, love never fails. But the word bears there, something that, that intrigued me in my study, it was because I was thinking that it bears all things. That is, it, it kind of like puts up with it. Like my wife puts up with me. She bears Eric Holler, you know. Um, but bear, bearing as in like, you know, shouldering, coming up under a weight. That, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Like bear one another's burdens, right? Carry. But that's not what this word bear means. This word actually means, listen to this. This is really powerful. It means to cover over with silence. To keep secret. To hide or conceal the errors and faults of others. Wow. Do we have it completely opposite today in this world? Yes. We don't hide and conceal people's ears. We, I mean, it's like, if we got some news about somebody, we're going to let everybody know. And there's all kinds of outlets that we've got now to be able to just throw everybody's trash out for everyone to see. And this says love conceals. Love keeps secret. Love hides and conceals and keeps secret the errors and faults of others. That does not mean that love is in compliance with it. Love is how we get over these things. Love is how our faults are healed. Love is how we have another chance. Love is how we get up out of that muck and the mire of sin and we walk forward and we get our footsteps established because the love of God compels us into a greater walk with him, a greater experience. And so his love demands unreasonable mercy because God knows that it's his mercy that saves us. And God is not merciful to you because you deserve it. He's merciful because he loves you. And all we are, when I keep reading this New Testament, I keep reading these promises, I keep reading this gospel, I, I, I find out the simplicity that is this. We are simply recipients. That's our part with God. I'll take that. Uh, uh, thank you. Uh, I'll receive that. We're just recipients. He's the giver. And he keeps on giving and he keeps on being merciful and he keeps on loving us. And it's unreasonable. Get over that. <laughs> He's not reasonable about it because he is love. He doesn't need your permission to love you. The fact that you're here is proof that he loves you. And I mean specifically at One Cause Church. <laughs> I'm just kidding. The other, part, the other part was that grace demands exalted life. It, 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 it is, it's a, he raised us up. You raised me. And I hate that song now. If you've ever been to a high school graduation in the last 10 years, you've heard that song. When we were, when we were growing up, it was Wind Beneath My Wings. Good old Bette Midler. Fly. Grace is always connecting us to our new nature. It, so that we, we can live 
our lives well-pleasing to the Lord. Think about it. In order for us to live well-pleasing to them, we have to receive the gift of grace. We have to receive the gift of his love. We have to... And that's what is, helps us to be pleasing to him because all of it is from him and to him and through him and for him. We're living in this world, but my family as the children of God, because grace has exalted our life, we don't live like the world. Can I get a good amen? Y'all shouldn't got quiet. You're supposed to say amen right there. His grace is so big. <laughs> Where was our amen? <laughs> uh, yeah, it has so exalted us uh, to, to a, a high place that our thoughts and our words and our actions can be, can be and, I, and I'm believing will be governed by heaven's rule. Because that's where we belong. We're citizens of heaven. Yes. Amen. And those rules apply to us. And remember that this elevation that comes, this exaltation that comes through grace, it's lifted us all up so much so that Galatians says, I love that you talk from Galatians, that Galatians chapter 3 says that Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us, as it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. That the blessing of Abraham would come upon you guys, the Gentiles in Christ Jesus. The bacon eaters, the shrimp eaters, the pork, the barbacoa. Just name your favorite non-Jewish food. (laughs) Yeah, that would come up on us in Christ Jesus that we might receive. Think about this, the blessing of Abraham. We've talked about this so many times, but I love talking about it because Jesus had to die for us to have it. And if Jesus became intentionally a curse that that blessing of Abraham would come upon us, then I want to know what that blessing is and how to get it and how to live in it. I have the blessing of Abraham. I'm blessed with the blessing of Abraham. What does that mean? I don't know. But it sure does feel good to say it. Well, great. But what does it mean? And so we, we have to go look at Abraham's life and find out, well, first of all, that Abraham was made righteous by faith. And we inherited that same blessing that we are made righteous by faith just like he was right? But there's also so many more things to it. And one of the things I want to bring to your attention is in, uh, in Genesis chapter 14, Abraham is coming back from, the, from war. Uh, he, had, he had rescued his lot, his lot nephew, his nephew Lot, and, um, and brought all the people of Sodom back and, and all the, the goods. And he's coming to this valley called the Valley of Shava. It's a king's valley to meet the king of Sodom. And, and as he's approaching him, this mysterious character steps in the way. Um, the priest of, the, of God most time named Melchizedek, and Melchizedek came out bringing wine and bread. It's the first time we see communion in the scriptures. And, and he blessed Abraham. At the, this time his name was Abram, and he says, Blessed are you, Abram, of God most high. God most high, Elyon, E-L-Y-O-N, Elyon, which means elevation. Blessed are you, Abram, of the God of elevation. Woo! Blessed are you. See, you're no longer who you used to be. Now that you're in him, you are Ron of God Most High. Ron of Ron Cagle of the God of Elevation. Mm-hmm. Just put your name there. I am, go ahead and say it, of God Most High. Go ahead and say it. I am who? Who are you? I am Eric Holler of God Most High. And this grace demands an exalted life. And thirdly, was exaltation demands heavenly fellowship. Made us sit together in the heavenly places. Well, we're, see what we're doing right here? This is, this is kind of how it's going to be. I mean, we don't want to be looking at me, thank God, for eternity. But you're all 
but we're all going to be seated together in this glorious fellowship that Christ has brought us into. Why don't you go ahead and look around you because you might as well get used to them because you're, going, you're stuck with them forever. All right, so, <laughs> and, and try to smile too. <laughs> I thought it was till death do his part. My God, now I find out it's forever. <laughs> Amen. But this, this really is just a glimpse of, of what will be. And it's going to be much sweeter there, no doubt about it. I thank God for that. Verse 7, I'll give you some new things to chew on before we leave. That in the ages to come, uh, Ephesians 2, 7, that in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Think about that. That's a mouthful. But what Paul is saying is eternity demands increased revelation. Eternity demands increased revelation. In other words, we're going to keep on learning. We're going to keep on learning about this God. We're going to keep on seeing just the wealth of the riches of his grace. It's going to continue to be unfolded. I mean, it truly is the gift that just keeps on giving and keeps on giving and keeps on giving all throughout eternity. Think about it forever and ever and ever. You ever done that? You ever done, said that to yourself forever and ever and ever until you start feeling loopy? Think about how long you're going to live. Maybe that's just me. I just trip on myself. and <laughs> Forever and ever and ever and ever. Hang on, honey. I'm having revelation right now. No, it, forever and think about it. And, and the grace is never going to tire. Heaven's never going to grow old. Uh, it, it's never going to become redundant for us. We're never going to get bored of it. We're going to continually be in awe of his majesty be captivated by this amazing grace because we're going to keep seeing new depths, new riches, new aspects, new angles, new revelations from it. I can't even comprehend that. But it's what you have to look forward to. It's just resplendent joy throughout the ages. In America alone, there are over 300,000 churches if you broke that up to the states, it's about an average of 6,000 per state. It's not that way, actually, but, but that's, that's quite a few churches, isn't it? Now, if we, if we there's 52 Sundays in a, in a year. So if we did some math and we multiplied 300,000 times 52, we're going to come up with 15,600,000. All right? This is how many church services, if, if, if the churches only have one service a week. All right? So this is a very lowball figure. Just one service a week. 300,000 churches, that's 15,600,000 church services every year. Globally, there's something like 10 million churches. So let's multiply that times those 52 Sundays, and we have over half a billion church services performed every year. 520,000 uh, million, I'm sorry, 520 million. And in those services is a message that's preached, and that message that preached brings some level of interpretation and revelation. This is just annually. Over half a billion sermons preached. If it's only one day a week, you see how living and powerful and huge this word is that every year for thousands of years now, 
that there have been sermons preached and there has been new revelation continue to come out of this word. It never tires. We just get a glimpse of this or what we're going to be coming into there. It's extraordinary. The, the, the riches of our God's grace. Eternity demands increased revelation. Then verse 8, for by grace, and you know this, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. What is the gift of God? Both grace and faith. They're both gifts from God. <laughs> salvation, it's a gift from God. Not of works, lest anyone should boast. What this teaches us is faith demands true humility. Faith demands true humility. As a matter of fact, really faith is true humility. Because it, it's the admission of and the submission to the truth that God is the only one who can save me from my sins. Right? He's the only one. And I've come to that conclusion. I've humbled myself under that truth that he alone can save me. Yeah. And, since, and since we believe that we're saved by grace, then really everything else is taken care of, isn't it? We don't have to worry about anything else. We can be assured actually about everything else when it comes to being in him. The way that we live our lives is founded upon our faith in him alone. That's where it starts. And so the Bible says, as you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in it. In other words, don't leave that faith. Stay in it. Walk in it. So we daily walk humbly with the understanding and the awareness that without him, truly, we can do nothing. But we also are humble enough to admit that with him, all things are possible. And I'm humbling myself to also understand that I can do all things through him. You have to have a humble position in order to really know that. And it sounds like it's braggadocious almost, but it's the opposite because it's in him. It's not in me. It's in him. It's through him. So I'm humbled myself to him. I was talking to the, our earlier service about this guitar. I, I love this guitar. I've had it worked on. I've got some tape on it right now. Some good old Oklahoma uh, engineering here or repair. But... Um, I bought this in 1997 or 8, somewhere. Uh, what inspired me to buy this guitar was uh, of a good friend out in, in San Angelo. At the time, he had a music store called Osborne's Music. His name is Van, and he says, hey, I want you to come to this guitar clinic. We're going to be selling this new product, these Taylor guitars, and there's a guy I think that you'll like who's going to, he's one of their spokespeople. Uh, um, he's a rep for Taylor Guitars. I said, okay. So uh, went to the clinic that evening, and, um, and this is the first time I'd actually ever heard Taylor guitar. Now, Taylor's made, uh, it's named after its founder, who's Bob Taylor. And, um, and their, their whole thing was kind of to, I, I think they did it very well. For any of you guitar players out there, I think they took the Martin sound and the Gibson feel and, and brought them together and made the perfect guitar. Just my personal opinion. But I have a microphone, so I... I'm giving it. But the, the man who represented Taylor Guitars uh, at this clinic was a guy that I'd never heard before. His name was Doyle Dykes. Yeah. And let me tell you something. He represented Taylor very well that night. Yeah. Just all over the place. And would talk about Jesus. He, just, he would first yeah. kill the guitar and then... He would talk about, uh, I have the uh, amplified version, which is the guitar player's version of the Bible, you know, cracking funny jokes like that. And, uh, but he, he would sing songs about Jesus. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm just a phenomenal guitar player. And, um, and so 
I was so inspired after hearing what Doyle could do on the Taylor guitar, that the, the tones and the, uh, the, the kind of response, the attack on the guitar, the, just the, the overall craftsmanship is just the possibility uh, seemed endless, right? But then, so I bought it not long after that. And so I grabbed this guitar and I find out that the, the possibility isn't there that I saw at that clinic. Then I was like, wait, you're supposed to do something. But I mean, it really had very little to do with the guitar itself. It was the player that was showing what was possible. It would never be realized if no one was there to play it. This guitar can't do anything. It can't show you any of its potential or possibility by itself. It needs hands on it. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, the Bible says, and he will exalt you. He'll show you and he'll show others through you his glory. He'll show what's possible. Because with him, all things are possible. Can we sing an old hymn? You've heard. This is kind of my go-to, but I love this song so much. Sing it. Well, some glad morning when this life is over, I'll fly away to a home on God's celestial shore. I'll fly away. Oh, I'll fly away. Oh, glory. I'll fly away when I die. Hallelujah. By and by. I'll fly away Well, just a few more happy days And then I'll fly away To a where joy shall never end I'll fly away Oh, I'll fly away Oh, glory I'll fly away in the morning When I die, hallelujah, by and by, I'll fly away. (laughs) There's a little bit of potential, a little bit of possibility until you meet somebody that's much better. But without him, we can do nothing. Your faith, your faith in God is your... humble position of resting in his hands. Hmm? Letting him show that your life is not lived by mere human might and strength, nor known by some position of power, but by the spirit, by the spirit of the living God. And lastly, for we are his workmanship, verse 10, created in Christ Jesus for good works or unto good works, 
which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. This is really about the product of what's been created. It's not that you need to do good things. It's that you do good things because he created you that way. He prepared you in that way so that you just live in those things. You flow in good works. It's not a striving. It's a shining. You are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Turn to somebody and tell them, you are the light of the world. You are the light. And Jesus said, let your light so shine before who? Before men. And that means women, women's too. That they may see. Okay, so they need to see something. What? Well, they need to see. They need to see your good works. And as a result of seeing that, they're going to give glory to your father. Because what they're really going to see is your life is connected to God. This is no small life you're living. This is a large life where you are connected to a God, the God of heaven and earth, the one who created it all, and they'll glorify your Father in heaven. And this, isn't this why we're really here? To bring glory to Him? So we're created in such a way that it is natural for us to do good things because He has made you good. See, Christian, it's better than just trying to be good. You're not going to be good if you're trying to be good. You need to get saved so that you can simply be good. And then as a result, you do good. Because you have to, you must understand you need to be who you are. So that you can do what you do. Light dispels darkness. That's what you do. Amen. Light is never consumed or exhausted by anything in its presence. Light is illumination. It helps us find our way. It gives us direction. It gives us understanding of things. It gives us perspective. This is what you do when you go out into this world. It's amazing, isn't it? Light is energy. Light produces power. Light is warmth, too. Like the nice, warm glow of a fire. Light is essential. It's essential for growth. It's essential for healing. Light put in several different kind of uh, when light is, is infused, it, it used in several ways, laser, it's just light, it's concentrated light, right? It has a whole new purpose to it. The, the fire light, th- this kind of light lights up a room, lights on your car, your headlight. Uh, there's, all, there's LED, there's, there's fluorescent, there's all kinds of lights. And they all have different function and different purpose. The sunlight itself, uh, through photosynthesis, it helps our whole greenery system. It carries signals. And these days, you know, if you have fiber optic internet, you've got good internet, right? And all that is light pulses, light pulses, carrying information. Think about how powerful that is when Jesus called you light. He's, he's made you something essential to this world, to this dark world. And you being that light will help somebody come out of their darkness. And you, let me just remind you of something. As a Christian, your lights are always on. And you don't even, whether you're aware of it or not. I'll finish with this story. I can remember years and years ago, my brother and I were deer hunting out in Robert Lee, Texas, out um, a ways from San Angelo. And we'd gotten up about 4.30 that morning to um, head to our, our blinds. And we didn't, you know, have all the fancy, like, rangers and stuff that we could just get in and drive to our deer. I mean, we walked. We had to walk. And uh, so the, each blind is somewhere between, close to a mile away from our camp. 
So we had to get up early and get in that blind and get settled down uh, and wait for the deer. So I had given my brother a, a new flashlight that I'd bought because I knew I had another one in my coat pocket from the year before. In the year before, without checking the batteries. So he takes off his way, and I'm walking down this just a you know dirt road out in the middle of the woods, and, and I pull that flashlight out, and I turn it on, and, and it quickly starts to dim. And what I found was interesting about that flashlight was that as I'm, as I'm trying to follow it, I kept feeling myself go off the road. And I was just walking out in the pasture in the grass, and, I, and I'm like, wait a second. So I just turned it off, and I found that I could actually traverse across that pasture better without the dim light on. I could actually see better without it. That dim light was taking me off course. So Jesus said, you got to let your light so shine before men. Because dim lights confuse. Dim lights take people. They, they, they confuse people and, and they don't see the right way. But you are the light of the world. So be that light. Let it so shine. And let's bring glory to God Almighty. Recreation demands good works. Recreation demands good works. Those are the things. Eternity demands increased revelation. Faith demands true humility. And recreation demands good works. These are the great demands of salvation. I'm pleased to tell you at this moment. This was the last sermon my dad wrote. And uh, he never got to preach it. He didn't have any illustrations. I had to put all that in. He didn't do all the work for me. But... I came across it going through his iPad, and, uh, and he had written it out and had these six truths to it. I thought, thank you, Dad. So I'm preaching on his behalf today. It's a beautiful, beautiful sermon. And uh, I'm grateful to have had the, the dad I had and the pastor I had. I'm blessed. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you. <clears throat> Thank you for this time together. Yes. You're so good to us. So merciful. Thank you that you're rich in it. You're rich in grace. You're rich in mercy. And you're rich in love toward us. Lord, there are people here today who have needs, and you know them because your word says you know what we need before we even ask. You're so concerned for our very well-being in every aspect and every detail of our lives. I'm asking you, Lord, for help for them. You are a very present help in times of trouble, your word says. You're with them. Help them to see that so that they'll believe. They'll believe God. No matter what they're experiencing right now, whatever contrary circumstances they may be facing right now, challenges or troubles, sickness, a financial issue, a relationship that's, that's gone awry. Father, I thank you. You have wisdom you have an abundance of supply. You have grace. You have healing. And it is all bought and paid for through the broken body of our Lord Jesus Christ and the blood that he shed for our sins. Thank you, Lord, that you have taken care of it. And because it's paid in full, we are recipients. We're just recipients. And we receive today what you have come to give us. Life 
and abundance in this life. Thank you, Father, for blessing each one. I pray for those who are troubled in their minds, God, that they would, their minds would be stilled by the peace of God and it would guard their heart and it would guard their mind through the Lord Jesus Christ right now. Those that are here today, God, that are hanging on to some, some grudge, some bitterness, that right now they'll let that go and be free from that. And be, be unshackled from bitterness. Be unshackled from unforgiveness. Because the only person that's hurting is you. The Bible says, even as Christ has forgiven us, so let us forgive one another. We don't forgive to get forgiven. We forgive because we are so abundantly forgiven. And I thank you right now, God, for healing hearts even now. Broken hearts here today are healed. You bind them up. <laughs> you, pull, you put them back together. And I thank you, Lord, that you make all things new yes. in Jesus' name. The old is gone. In him, it's always new. So we thank you for that newness today. Thank you for that reset today. From this day forward, it's a new experience with you. And I pray, God, that as your people go out of here today, they will let their lights so shine so that this sighing, dying, crying humanity can see hope, that they can see the truth, that they can hear the word of the gospel and believe it. Christ died for your sins, so you don't have to die from your sins. He was buried, and God raised him from the dead three days later, and believing on him changes everything. Changes everything. Thank you, Lord, for that. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said... Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. God is good. Oh. And the devil can go straight to hell. Yeah. But not you. God's got something much better planned for you. Amen. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may he cause his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you and all of your house and give you peace. In Jesus' mighty name. Thank you for listening. And we hope you enjoyed the message. For more information about One Cause Church, please visit us online at onecausechurch.com.